Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Happy 2020, my friends. It's a new decade. And so I thought it'd be fun to talk to a few friends about what life was like for them 10 years ago, how life has changed, what the year 2010 brought them and what the last decade has brought them. And also what do they hope for in the next 10 years? Today's Your Last Decade special guest is my neighbor and friend, Julia Barnett Tracy. Julia is not only my neighbor and she also comes to my weekly Bible study, which is so fun. She's also a friend who's seen a lot of changes in the past 10 years. Julia and I talk about what big things she has seen happen in her life over the past 10 years and what projects she's hoping come to fruition over the next 10. We also take a step back almost 20 years to talk about what it was like on 9-11 when her and her husband lived and worked in New York City. Enjoy this conversation today from my friend Julia, who is an actress, a writer, a producer, a screenplay writer, a play writer a fabulous mom, a wife, and the International Choir Operations Director of the African Children's Choir. This is my conversation with my friend, Julia. Julia, welcome to the special edition of the Happy Hour called Your Last Decade. Yes. (laughs) I'm so glad you're here. I want to tell everybody real quick that you are a real-life friend of mine. I feel like I need to say that sometimes when people come on. Like, everyone that comes on is a friend. That's just hands down. But you and I actually see each other Aww. most times on a weekly basis. Yes. Yay. Yay you're a part of my fun. Bible study. I know. This is my first time being in your special my studio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my special studio. Okay. Well, this is your last decade. So, first of all, before we get started, just introduce yourself. Tell us what you do, your family, and then we're going to go back to 2010. Sure. Well, I live in Austin, Texas. I have two children, 13 and 10. I have worked as um, a creative director, an international director for the African Children's Choir for 27 years. Just so crazy. It's a long time. It's a long time. Yeah. But I love it. And I'm also um, an artist, an actress, and writer, and filmmaker. You, your list is long of creative things that you do. <laughs> yes. And you're an, a teacher as well because my son has taken acting classes yeah. from you before. I love, I have a group of students, like a little master class group of students, and that's some my favorite day of the week. So fun. So mm-hmm. fun. Okay, let's go back to 2010. What did life look like for you 10 years ago? Yeah, so in 2010, we had just moved here from New York City. So I had spent a decade in New York City. So now this is like, Austin's very different and I love it, but it's it was a big change. And I just had my second child. What brought you guys to Austin? I think we just wanted a change and we could transfer with my husband's job. And there was still like, I work from home and I don't know. I think I've just had like, I like moving. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but you've been here for 10 years. Are you moving? Is this your no. announcement to me? No, we're here. Okay. We're here now. Okay. Yeah, and so I I had worked as an, uh, a working actress on television and film in New York City for the decade before, and now I found myself in Austin, where there was at the time, one of the reasons why we moved here is there was a lot of entertainment. There's a lot of shows working, you know, Friday Night Lights was here, there were other TV shows, and a lot of those started to kind of go away. We lost our tax incentives, so there wasn't as much work for me. And, you know, I had this little baby, and I started kind of thinking about what I wanted to do creatively. And I had, I'd been writing my whole life and I had done some work in LA writing and I started just kind of feeling like I wanted to tell my own stories. Instead of 
be in somebody else's story. Exactly. Was that a hard shift for you? As And the reason I'm asking, because I don't think creatively it felt that hard for you. I'm wondering if it felt security hard for you. Stepping out, you know what I mean? As an actress, I'm very confident. I mean, there are times, I mean, I think one of the things I think that's helped me as a in the creative field as an actress is that you're used to rejection. <laughs> you know, you audition for tons of stuff and most of the stuff people say no to, but then there's a few who are like, oh, they like me and they cast right. me or whatever. Yeah. But a, being a writer was so different. I just felt so much more vulnerable, like saying, hey, can you read this piece that I wrote? And what do you think about this script? And screenwriting is, I had written a play that had done very well in New York, but um, screenwriting is like a whole nother thing, right? And so, yeah. Okay, so explain this for me and anyone else that doesn't mm-hmm. know. Screenwriting is for movies? Yes. Okay. So that was what you were transitioning into. Right. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Do you remember your first rejection? Well, because I was making my own stuff. <laughs> it was you rejecting yourself? <laughs> yes, exactly. I think that there's been a lot of people that I trust that have read my things and I'm just used to, I want them to come back to me and say like, this doesn't work for me and I don't understand this character. Like, that's what I want. And I think I actually have a pretty thick skin with that sort of thing. I, I don't think you can be a creative person and- Get and, your feelings hurt. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people do, but you have to figure out how to get through that because you're never going to get better. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're also now a mom to two kids 10 mm-hmm. years ago. What was that shift like as a mom to go from living in New York City mm-hmm. to coming here because you want to try something different creative, creatively, But we all, if anyone's had a child or been around a child or seen a child in a movie, they're all consuming. What did that look like for you now as parenting two kids and trying to make your own way as you're doing your own thing? I mean, I'm sure a lot of moms will identify with this, but I remember the first time I left the house with two children and I never thought I'd be able to get out of the house (laughs) or do anything ever again in my life, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But then you, you you adjust and you figure it out. So, you know, the interesting thing is that, so I did my first film... I shot my first film in 2015 and my kids were so supportive of it and so proud of me. And I think that that was one of the things that encouraged me is that my kids were like excited that I was doing this. And I remember my son at one point was like, you know, I wonder what, what it's like for these other big directors, like when they're working on a movie and, and, you know, he was comparing me to other big films and I was like oh he sees me as That's a creator as yeah exactly that was really cool what was that film so my first short was called Chasing Grace and it actually premiered at South by Southwest which was amazing because that was my first film and um, was so proud to be able to have that premiere and uh, that was in, I guess it premiered in 2017 because these things take so much time from writing. So is that the film that you started working on when you moved home, the no. screenplay? No, I actually was working on a different screenplay that was based on my play that um, premiered at the Fringe Festival in New okay. York City okay. in 2006. And it won Best Play that year. And that was based on my life when I lived in East Africa with the African Children's Choir. And so then I adapted that into a screenplay and actually did um, a Lifetime movie when I was living here. Wait, you were in it or you wrote it? No, as an actress. Mm -hmm. And I pitched my story like at three in the morning to the producer, to the director. Uh And she was like, yeah, I'll read that. And she loved it. And so then we started developing it. But these things sometimes don't happen. So it actually has not happened. It's been through many incarnations. And that some- same story that you pitched at 3 a.m. <laughs> yes. Oh, that I wrote in 2006 and adapted into a screenplay. It still hasn't been made yet. It will someday. That's but- how these things work. Mm-hmm. 
Like it almost was in 2008, actually. It was it was on a slate of films and then they lost all their money. Like okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. That happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so you uh, do that film, Chasing Grace, mm-hmm. uh, which premiered at South By. Yes. Congrats, it's a really big deal. Thank you. That's a really big deal. And then what else? have What is, what's happened in, you've been doing African Children's Choir mm-hmm. for 27 years. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know you lived with them. This is new information to me, but yeah. we won't go back that far because yeah. this is your last decade. What's this decade been like for that in your life? So the interesting thing about that is I have produced a lot of their shows over the years. And this, in the last five years, I kind of decided I want to do something different because I realized that when people come to their shows, they see the children so beautiful and well-fed and they don't really understand where they've come from. So three years ago, I went to Uganda. I found this amazing Ugandan self-taught DP, director of photography, who basically like got a microfinance loan and has taught him. He's amazing. And I created this kind of visual story that plays along with their tour um, about these little kids who live in the slum and, and kind of helping each other and stuff. And so that story... Plays, this is the first time we've ever done it. So when you go and see the African Children's Choir's tour now, you'll see a visual story playing behind them. Oh, I love that creative performing. aspect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And it's been really interesting because so many people have like finally understand because we didn't, it's not Sally Struthers. It's not like give us money. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like, this is how they live and they're happy, but you're still able to see that they maybe live near an open sewer and, mm-hmm. you know, the environment. And I think it's really helped people to understand. So, I feel like it's interesting that like my other creative endeavors have definitely benefited what I do for the African Children's Choir. Yeah. 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 What is the goal of the tour that they do? The choir's tour? Well, our goal is to raise awareness of Uh what's happening in Africa, to raise funds for our programs. Mm -hmm. And we've been in working in East Africa for over 35 years since. So it's a long time. And so, yeah, it's just helping. You know, it's interesting. And this isn't part of this decade, but if I go way back to the 90s, we were talking a lot about the Sudan before anyone was talking about what was happening to the Lost Boys in the Sudan. And so many people come to our concerts and then go to Africa and do something. It's not with us, mm-hmm. right? But we've inspired them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are many paths to finding your family story. Whichever way you choose, it's easy to get started with Ancestry. An Ancestry DNA test tells you where your ancestors are from, and Ancestry's billions of records and millions of family trees let you discover their personal stories. You could find a famous relative or perhaps a photo of your great-grandmother as a little girl. Researching your history is a fun activity for the whole family, and the stories you learn about your shared past can bring you closer together. Ancestry DNA can reveal ethnic origins and provide historical details that bring unique family stories to life. Ancestry DNA doesn't just tell you which countries you're from, but also can pinpoint the specific regions within them, providing insightful geographic detail about your history. Trace the paths of your recent ancestors and learn how and why your family moved from place to place around the world. My mom is tracing our ancestors right now, and it is such a great experience. No other DNA test delivers such a unique interactive experience as Ancestry. Start exploring your family story today. Head to Ancestry.com slash happy hour to get your Ancestry DNA kit and start your free trial. That's Ancestry.com slash happy hour. 
I believe in having clean options. I support companies who innovate products that break the norm and help clean up my daily routine. That's why I love Native for my deodorant needs. In fact, I love it so much, I just gifted my mom with the Native deodorant. Native is made with ingredients that you've actually heard of, like coconut oil, shea butter, and tapioca starch. They never use things like aluminum, parabens, sulfates, or talc. It's also vegan and never tested on animals. Native just released plastic-free deodorant made from 100% paperboard and shipped in a plastic-free bag. Switching to an aluminum-free deodorant doesn't mean you have to sacrifice on odor protection. Native will keep you smelling and feeling fresh all day long. Native comes in over 10 scents like coconut and vanilla and lavender and rose, plus rotating seasonals like the pumpkin spice latte collection. My favorite scent right now out of all of them is the coconut and vanilla. I have loved it this summer. I'm thinking about trying lavender and rose next. Maybe even a pumpkin spice latte deodorant. Native is risk-free to try with free shipping within the U.S. and free 30-day returns and exchanges. Guys, do what I did and make the switch to Native today by going to nativedeo, that's D-E-O, dot com slash Jamie IV. Or use the promo code Jamie Ivy, J-A-M-I-E-I-V-E-Y at checkout and get 20% off your first order. That's nativedeo.com slash Jamie Ivy. Or use my name as a promo code Jamie Ivy at checkout for 20% off your first order. What has been the, if you look back on this last decade, what has been the project that you've worked on, whether it is big, small, your own, somebody else's, it doesn't matter, that has you think has given you the most joy? Well, Chasing Grace was the most cathartic. I don't know if it, it has given me the most joy, but I'd say yes. So the project that I've worked on the last decade that's given me the most joy is one that is in development right now. It's um, a TV series, a children's or family TV series set in Uganda called Angel and Abdul. And well, it's about Angel, who's an 11-year-old um, Ugandan girl who after her mother dies, she inherits these supernatural powers and she doesn't know where they come from. And her best friend is this quick-witted street boy, Abdul. And the two of them solve mysteries and they set up their own detective agency and they help people in their community. So Angel doesn't use her special gifts to like, get money and a car and a big house like she stays in her community to help and find out later towards the end of the series that Angel's actually a child of an angel so she's half angel half human so I don't know if anyone knows their genesis but she's a nephilim <laughs> a good nephilim uh-huh. it's it's a fantasy story you that's know? right but and it's for families and I, I just felt like for me my kids were um watching a lot of stuff that's appropriate on TV, but not necessarily life-giving. Mm-hmm. And it was ethnically diverse, but it wasn't economically diverse. You know, all the kids were rich and owned a business already mm-hmm. at the age of 10, and that's what made them important. And I felt like, you know, I've been working in this community for 27 years, and these kids are just as important as our kids in America who have everything. And I really would love for my family to see a show like this and for people to learn about that culture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... For everyone that doesn't know this, because I know this, which part of this project have you been working on? You wrote this. Yes, I wrote it. Um, I shot a proof of concept last summer in Uganda, and um, we've been pitching it. So exciting. (laughs) I love hearing you talk about this, because I remember when you first told me about it, the things that were most exciting to you about it were showing the economically diverse Mm -hmm. 
and not only just ethnically diverse, because I never thought about it actually until you said it just now, is that we do see a lot of shows, and I'm grateful for that, mm-hmm. that have diversity within them. Um, but you're right, there is not a lot of economically diverse. Do you think that's scary for filmmakers to do? I think it's scary for the executives of the networks and whatever to because do. Because of money? It's outside it's not safe, you know? It's like, we know that they'll watch this. It's like we have this kind of, this set of here's what works Mm -hmm. and it doesn't fall in that. And so then that's scary. Also, as I've been pitching, I've come to realize that um, our... Tele, our networks here are really looking for something that's that's based in North America, or at least the main character is based in North America. So. And you're saying this main character is from the slums yes. of Uganda. Yes. Which is, and that you want this to be everyone to see it. This is not right. like a Ugandan television no. show. No, yeah. and there are other characters. There's a Chinese teenager. There's actually a lot of Chinese in Uganda now, so it makes sense. And then there's... Um, a Western girl whose mother works for UNAID. Yeah. So it's not like, so it's the four of them, but the two main characters mm-hmm. are not from America. Yeah. And that makes them nervous. It shouldn't, but... But it does. But it doesn't matter because we have people interested in it. I love it so much. <laughs> I have loved so, hearing about this journey. Okay, as you look back on the last 10 years, what's been the hardest thing that's happened in your decade? Anyway, it can be work, or you can give me three or four. Work, parenting, social, emotional, spiritual, whatever, it doesn't matter. What's been the hardest I don't know exactly because there's a lot of things that have happened, but I think the hardest thing probably has been trying to navigate being married and your relationship with your spouse while you're also raising your kids. This is such, it's so true. I think that because, you know, you get married, you fall, well, you fall in love, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you get married, you have like this close relationship with someone and these other entities and you love them too. Mm-hmm. Enter into the mm-hmm. relationship, and it's yeah. like finding a way. And the good thing is, that my husband and I—I I feel like we parent the same. I'm so thankful for that because yeah. you don't know that when you marry. No, someone. you don't. Mm-mm. Even when you have kids, you don't know that. No, I mean parenting doesn't actually start for a while. I right. mean, at least like I mean, you're taking care of them, obviously, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So it's like making sure that that relationship is still there. I th- that's it's a big challenge. That is. How long have you guys been married? Twenty years. Congratulations. So you guys lived 10 years in New York married. Uh, Yes. Yes, we got married in 99. And we had our son in 2006. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you were in New York when 9-11 happened. We were in New York City. That's definitely not this decade, but we Mm -hmm. uh, we got married in 2001. Mm -hmm. And honeymooned in New York City. Oh. I know. And we didn't live there, and so it didn't affect our life that way. But we had just been there months before. But, oh my gosh, I didn't know that about you either. Mm-hmm. This is so fun. You I know, should interview all my friends. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is that, uh, you know, we're going through this coronavirus thing yeah, currently. Yeah. And my husband and I have been comparing it because, you know, we were in 9-11. We actually got trapped in the city that day. And then we were like, everyone, you know, was stuck in their homes for like four or five days, right? Because everything shut down afterwards. And I was reminding like, oh, you know, this is kind of like that. It's different. Mm -hmm. But just like, this is going to be okay. This has happened before. We're all going to. Yeah. Someone mentioned, we're recording this on the Saturday before it releases. So everyone, we recorded this a week early. And someone mentioned the other day, they're like, this feels a little bit like post 9-11, but not so much to us here in Mm -hmm. Texas. I lived in Texas when it happened and it didn't affect that much of our everyday life as it did yours in the city. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you guys, this I have so many questions now that okay. do not involve this last decade. <laughs> now that you threw this at me, were you guys together when this happened? Yeah, we were actually. It's so crazy because we owned a place in Jersey City. And for those of you who don't like know, it's they call it the Sixth Borough because you can just take the PATH train in or a bus in. And it's kind of like Brooklyn, but on the other side, right? And we were both going into the city together and we saw... Do you want to hear this whole Yes, story? I want okay. to hear it. I'm so, so in now. So as we're like in this bus, we're like, oh, look, there's smoke coming from World Trade. Like, that's so strange. And I remember my husband saying like, oh, I wonder what the news is about that. You know, it's going to be big news. And as soon as we took the bus in and then we took the train and came up at 59th Street and 5th Avenue. And at that point, since we had been under, the second tower had been hit. And what's crazy is that because we didn't understand what this meant, we still kissed each other goodbye and said, have a nice day. And he walked to work. I was actually doing a photo shoot. But did you know right then what had happened? Because I'm trying to think, what did did our phones look like then? We knew knew that the towers had been hit, but nothing had fallen yet. And we just thought it was an accident. For sure. Like we, yeah. But then I saw like all these cars pulled over on the side of the road and everyone was like listening to the radio. And I was like, wow, you know. And then I, at that time, I can't remember if it was Good Morning America used to shoot and had a studio right there in the corner. You could watch it on the Mm -hmm. TV, like if you were staying on the street. And yet I'm on Fifth Avenue, so that goes all the way straight down to World Trade. And I remember watching the towers fall on the TV. And as I looked down, seeing like the smoke come up. And that's when I was like, okay, this is... Something's bad. And then everyone on the street was talking like... I don't know, 40 planes that had been stolen and we only knew where two were. So everyone was just feeling like we were going to be attacked again any second. And so I ran up to his office, which was not far. And we tried, we couldn't get through on the phones and, you know, like. So you guys got back together. We got back together. Oh my gosh. What was so weird about that day? It was just this really beautiful day. They'd shut down the city, so we couldn't leave. And we didn't know what to do. We ended up going to like our favorite little hole in the wall Thai place <laughs> and just watching the news. And then we stayed with some friends that night. They opened up. Because you couldn't get back to your house mm-hmm. because you had come so far on the train. It just They shut down everything coming in and out of Manhattan. Yeah, uh, They opened it back up at like nine that night. But Oh my gosh. We should do a podcast called Where Were You on 9-11 and get people's stories. Yes. And mine's not exciting. I was driving to school. Well, the reason I was still in college is because it took me a little bit longer than most people. I took six years to graduate oh, college. Well, yeah, that was fun. Just a bachelor's. I don't even have a master's <laughs> degree. Just a bachelor's. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Like, I, we tried to get out of the city. They had, like, a long line to take a boat out. And there were all these people coming up, just, like, covered in soot, you know, walking. It was, it was oh, surreal. Yeah, I'm sure. Do you think about it often? I think about it when it happens. I mean, every year yeah. on 9-11, I definitely. Yeah. Do you I'm, find yourself thinking about it any other time? Only when it comes up, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting when people have lived through something like that, mm-hmm. um, of how it can affect them. I have one of my really close dear friends was in the military when that happened. Um, stationed, I'm going to mess it up, but she was stationed right around the city. Um, and she actually, they were loading things on planes. I mean, like it was, she tells it and it is very traumatic for her as, you know, totally. working in the military and having to deal with who knows what's happening. So... Golly, that feels like, it feels like forever ago, doesn't it, it? Yeah, it does. You know, one of the things I was thinking about is afterwards, like in the weeks afterwards, living in New York, nobody looks at each other on the subway mm-hmm. or whatever because there's too many weird people. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, you just kind of have your own little space. For the couple of weeks afterwards, everyone looked at each other 
And like, it was almost like, you're okay. Yeah. You know, it was just this really kind of bonding time in the city. And then it went away. Yeah. Yeah. Thrive Market delivers organic and sustainable groceries right to your door. Just recently, I went to Thrive Markets. I got my account and I stocked up on snacks because my kids all day long, mom, we need more snacks. We need more snacks. And what I loved about it is I could go straight to Thrive Market. I could pick out that I wanted vegan or paleo or gluten-free, whatever might need our family's needs. And they are going to deliver it straight to my door. And I'm a happy mama. And those kids are happy kids. As a Thrive Market member, your paid membership provides a free one for someone in need, like a low-income family, teacher, veteran, or first responder. Thrive Market tailors to over 70 different diets and values, like paleo, keto, or plant-based, delivering the highest quality organic and sustainable essentials from groceries, healthy snacks, meat and seafood, clean wines, non-toxic cleaning, bath and body, and stuff for your pets, which I also got some great dog bones for my sweet little puppers. As a member, you're going to save 25 to 50% off traditional retail prices, and their carbon neutral shipping is free on orders over $49. In addition to membership matching, which is so phenomenal that they do that, Thrive Market has raised over $750,000 to date through their COVID-19 relief fund. If this sounds like something you are interested, go to thrivemarket.com slash happy hour. Join today and you're going to get a free gift of your choosing up to $22 in value. That's thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E, market.com slash happy hour because you're listening on the happy hour. Go there today to start your risk-free membership and get a free gift today. Thrivemarket.com slash happy hour. I don't know about you guys, but schooling at home was quite an adjustment. I was trying to work. My kids were trying to do school. I'm trying to keep up with what their teachers are doing. It was really difficult. And it's times like these that inspired me to check out Laurel Springs. Online learning might be new for your family, but Laurel Springs has been doing this for nearly 30 years. As the experts in online learning, Laurel Springs has the tools and the curriculum that your child needs to maintain their learning unhindered by whatever the future holds. Their flexible learning programs designed for students in kindergarten through 12th grade offer challenging and diverse courses. And Laurel Springs is accredited with the Western Association of Schools and Colleges Incognia, which means our transcripts are recognized by colleges and universities worldwide. Register your child at laurelsprings.com slash happy hour today and receive a waived registration fee. That's laurelsprings.com slash happy hour for your waived registration fee. laurelsprings.com slash happy hour. We're right now in this coronavirus thing, and I feel as though that could be happening in mm-hmm. some place as well. As people saying, mm-hmm. oh, there's more to life than just myself. Definitely. You know, there's more yeah. than going on to here. Um, okay, I want to get back to filming. Okay. I love the 9-11 stuff, by the way. No worries. Uh, back to filmmaking. What is it about writing stories for you? What, is, what gives you life in that? I mean, I have to say, like, I'm, I always have an idea. I'm always writing down an idea. And do you have them, like, literally written down all over places or do you put it in your phone? Yeah, or? I've got one that I'm working on right now. I mean, I have another one that I shot a couple years ago. I think for me, it's like, if it's something that I'm going through, like right now I'm writing something about a comedic piece about this mom who tries to walk her teenager into school. <laughs> and, of course, her teenager doesn't want, yeah, like, it's like not. middle right. schooler. Right. And so instead she tries to, like, walk all the other little kids into school and then, like, <laughs> yeah. she upsets all the other moms. Right? Yeah. It's just this silly comedic piece. But it's... It's, it's real to uh-huh. me because it's what I'm going through. Yeah. And so for me, I think a lot of that stuff, 
I don't know if I want to call it cathartic. Maybe it's just like I have to get it out. Yeah, yeah. It's what, what a writer has to do. Yeah. A writer has to do. Um, when you think about everything that's happened in your life in the past 10 years with the Children's Choir, African Children's Choir, with your writing, with producing, with this new project that you're mm-hmm. working on, with the film that you've, all these things that have happened and you think, okay, what do I want to think forward in the next 10 years? Like, what do you want to see in the next 10 years of your life? However you want to talk about it personally, work, whatever. I think that in the next 10 years, I'd love to see, well, first of all, I'd I'd love to um, have my TV show made, which I think we're getting closer to that. And really, you know, a lot of the things that I've made, and I would be okay if it was just for, you know, a smaller group because it does the film festivals or whatever, but I'd love to see it be more something that like mainstream. mainstream. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. Um, So that's my goal. How do you, how far, how far are you into this process years wise with this show that you're talking about? Um, the Angel and Abdul. Uh-huh. You know what's so crazy about it is that this was an idea in my head two years ago. That's quick then is what I'm hearing. It's very quick. Yeah, yeah. Because I just heard you talk about an idea from like 10 years ago. Yeah. Very quick. Yes. Uh, but it could take a long, I mean, you could, we, you, you could be well into your next decade. Yeah, we're, it's an, I mean, we're in the process of um, someone's interested in developing it. So... Um, I mean, these things take time is what I'm saying. Yeah, so I mean, it could be a couple more years. I don't know, or it could be really fast. It just depends on what this network wants to do with it. Have you thought that in the next decade, both your kids will be gone? Yeah, and you know what's crazy about that is that I've been really upset about that, except in the last maybe six months, I'm like, you know what? I think that's, it's going to be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone says, and I'm closer to it than you are. Everyone says that when they're, when it's time for them to go, it's just like something happens in the house and you're like, Mm -hmm. okay, you can go now. Mm -hmm. Like it's time for you to go. Yeah. Which I can't even imagine. I know. Do any of your kids want to go into film? Writing. Um, well, my daughter's an actress. She's been in some. Actually, both of my kids have been in some of my things. And my son loves it, but I think my son only likes it so that like he can make money if he does a commercial. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I mean, who wouldn't like that? He sees the business side uh-huh. of it. But yeah, my daughter is a true artist, um, singer, writer. And, and yeah, she's been writing her own songs, and so I think that she. That's probably more her avenue. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll tell you this. I have loved um, just being around and seeing your creativity for the last handful of years. Um, it's been super inspiring to me. Oh, That's true. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. You're the only person that I know that does this work in this industry. So I feel like you're like my, like I can like, oh, Julian will know the answer to this. <laughs> you know, like it's been yeah. so helpful and you've really loved on my son Deacon. So I know he's so talented. Oh mm. my gosh. I I mean, I know I told you that when him and Aaron were in LA, they got stopped by strangers mm. saying, do you have an agent? Yeah. That didn't make his head big at all or anything. Oh my gosh. Uh, but he likes acting. Yeah. And yeah. Story's really talented too. She likes it too. I know. But we are, you know, not... We're just taking it one day at a time. Of course. One day at a time. And you're my like sounding board, sounding board. <laughs> um, in all seriousness, um, I love your creativity. I'm excited about this show a Thank lot. Um, if you need a Ugandan travel partner, I could probably oh, make okay. it. I've been there um, so I can handle it, um, the red dirt. Um, but in all seriousness, thank you. I can't wait to see what God does with your life in the next 10 years thank through you. the African Children's Choir and through your show. And thank to your kids. You. Yes. Thanks thank for joining you. me. So fun. Thank you for having me. And you're me. my only friend I know that's been on SVU. 
<laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> I guess my girlfriend, Amy, and I, it's like our favorite show to watch together. In fact, just the other day, Lindsay, my assistant Lindsay, we were in California and we were walking by. And you know, I'm an Enneagram Six. And so sometimes I think about what could be the worst thing that happens right now. <laughs> and I say, and I always say, if we're walking by a wooded area, I'm like, you know what could happen right now? We could look over and then there's a dead body there. And next thing we know, Olivia Benson's here. And uh, right? you know, I mean, she would be here in a hot second to take care of this. So, so funny. Anyhow, um, thanks, Julia. Thank you. Friends, thank you so much for listening to this special edition of the Happy Hour, Your Last Decade. I hope in all of our shows every single week in the midst of whatever might be crazy in your life that you get a small break to sit in and listen to people chat about things that matter in their world and in your world. Our hope in these shows of Your Last Decade is that you too can reflect on your last decade. Whether you were 23 years old, five years old, 65 or 12, 10 years ago, I hope that you look back and see what God has done in your life and where he has brought you. How have you persevered and how have you screwed up and what would you do differently and what are you so stinking proud of? Also, looking back always causes me to look forward. So what do you hope to see happen in your next decade? Podshaper and organized by Lindsay Sweeney. The music is developed for the show by Matt Graham and show notes are written by Aki Slockers. We'd love it if you enjoyed this show, if you would share it with your friends. Word of mouth is the number one way that people find out about our podcasts and we thank you for that. 